This episode is brought to you by Eloquence. Eloquence sells magnetic bookmarks which stick onto your paper and never let go. So you can never worry about losing the page you are on. And you can continue reading your interesting book. Call 647-710-6464 for more information and to order one. Welcome to the Three Bookworms Podcast, hosted by Akilish, Rudra, and Hood. In this episode, we'll be talking about three dystopian novels we've just read and asking each other questions about them. So how's everyone's day? Mine's pretty great. I mean, yeah, pretty good. And mine's decent. So let's get right into the episode. Rudra, can you summarize your novel? <clears throat> the action-adventure novel, Miners, by Kevin Sylvester, takes place in the future on an asteroid named Persis. The novel features a boy and his friends who must find a way to survive in the mining tunnels after their new space colony is attacked by some mysterious raiders. This tragedy forces the protagonist, Christopher Nicholas, age 12, and his partner, Eleanor Rosales, also age 12, to make some tough decisions, like flight versus fight to survive, which will get your heart racing every other moment. Abu, do you want to go next? Uh, sure. So, the book Divergent by Veronica Roth is about a society that's divided into five different factions, and they're Dauntless, the Brave, Abnegation, the Selfless, Erudite, the Intelligent, Amity, the Peaceful, and Candor, the Honest. This society kills divergents because divergents can't be controlled, as they possess a personality with more than one quality, which makes them stronger than all the other categories. So now let's talk a little bit about the actual story. So the protagonist is named Beatrice, and she was born and raised in the faction of Negation. And in this society, at the age of 16, everyone goes through a test called the aptitude test to get assigned into a faction that they fit through the most. And when the main character, Beatrice, went through that test, she was able to fit through multiple factions, which makes her a divergent. And by the way, the faction that she she chose out of the three was Dauntless. The book I chose was called The Mare of Thieves by Cherry DeMaline. The Mare of Thieves is a thrill of a ride with extensive philosophical theories, a heart-wrenching story where loved ones are lynched, and acrimony wipes out entire mobs of people. The story takes place in the near future, in uncharted areas where the terrain is rugged and there are very minimal supplies. The Mare of Thieves is a survival story set in a Canada where recruiters, recruiters are primarily white bounty hunters who are set out to catch aboriginals, harvest the bone marrow of indigenous people. They do so to serve a non-indigenous clientele that has lost ability to dream and hopes to restore their dreams by consuming indigenous marrow. The main protagonist of my novel is a 14-year-old Métis boy with no remaining family who is on the run to survive with very limited supplies called Frenchie. When famished, the Métis boy ran into a group of Aboriginal people who helped him get back on his feet. Frenchie later on decided to join their group where he went on many rousing expeditions. The problem that the main character faces in my novel is that the society is hunting down his type of people, aboriginals for their bone marrow. Saruja and Abud, I have a question for you. Do you actually like the main character of your book, Why or Why Not? Saruja, you can start. I absolutely hate the main character of my book as he's too humane to make the right decision he allows his emotions to cloud his judgment he's unwilling to make sacrifice and he's generic you'll find this guy in every book every kind of book 
He might not be the main character, but he's there in every kind of novel, even TV shows and movies. One, by two humane, I mean, I'm getting this from a point in the book near the beginning where he saved a five-year-old girl sacrificing his ankle to an elevator because he thought she would die. And he was right. She will. She would have died, guaranteed. The Raiders would not have mercy on her. She, they might have left her because that's what they did to all the children, but she couldn't survive by herself. But he sacrificed his ankle to save a five-year-old girl who did nothing but cry in the whole novel, who'd eat up resources and ruin morale. I don't think that's right. I think it's morally right. It's definitely morally right, what am I saying? But it's not good for survival. Two, he allows his emotions to cloud his judgment. I think this is why he saved the girl. It's because his emotions were like, this is not right. I cannot live with myself if I do this. So I can understand that, but still, it wasn't the smartest thing to do. He's unwilling to make sacrifice because this is a war. He has to make sacrifice to win. In every war, there's no such thing as a flawless war. There's no such thing as a war without yeah, one people casualty. Are gonna die. People, people are going to die or at least get hurt. Yeah, and emotionally you, you, or physically. And you have to plan for that too. You have to plan. I mean, sure, this guy, he does nothing. In fact, he even sacrifices himself for no one. He'd sacrifice himself to get time, not guaranteed help. Right, Abud? I mean, uh, I kind of like the main character uh, of uh, my novel because uh, she doesn't show weakness, which makes her strong. And uh, an example of that is when she figured out that uh, she's a divergent from the aptitude test results. And uh, she didn't give up. She just, like, uh, moved to the new faction. Although uh, her mom, like, protected her. Uh, She was going to get exposed, but her mom helped her. But still, yeah. Uh, Richard, I just had a comment for your crush book, right? So you said he's very humane, but sometimes isn't that good? Don't you want people to save? That's why some people like other people, because they're saving other people. That's why uh, people like the characters of novels or uh, dystopian TV shows, because they're helping other people. Um, so isn't that a good thing, because he saved a life? But I, I do see where you're coming from, but like, uh, can you like, like tell me why, if you were in that situation, why you wouldn't save that girl? She wouldn't do anything for the team. I mean, maybe she would. I didn't know, but... But she's five years old. What if you train her to, like, do something? Yeah, from she's... from. Uh... Oh, I forgot to mention this. This whole thing is taking place during a communications blackout, meaning where Earth cannot communicate with this planet oh. or asteroid for two months. So this is all in the span of two months. So there's no resources, barely any resources, there's nothing. Yeah, for two months. Okay, then it's not worth it. So he has to be willing to make I mean, if this was space. like your book where it was going on forever, it's been going on in the past, right? Like yeah, it's yeah, a regular yeah. thing now. Then you could adopt her, train her from birth, how to kill, how to survive. She would be a great asset, very lethal. But this is in the span of two months. You could train her to be a killer within a month and then what, what do you do? You can't even do that. You have one war year. And the rest saying she's going to die, so she get, doesn't get used. This is also leading into my last point. is Christopher's personality is extremely generic. Again, the majority like the person who's humane and saves the little kids who do nothing. Everyone likes the hero. I don't. I personally like the smart one. But that's usually not the hero. The hero does what he thinks is right. That's why he's generic. I mean, I'm not like everyone. Also, that's, so, he, he's also unwilling to make that sacrifice to let that kid die. Yeah. Um, as you said in your points. So, I see where you're coming from. Yeah. Yeah, so no, I kind of agree with mm. uh, Rujo. Because, like, she's, she's not going to... She, she's useless. Yeah, she's useless. And she, they, they don't have resources. Okay. So, Keelish, 
Do you think your book is funny or is it like hardcore serious? Okay, so as you can tell from my summary alone, the world isn't all butterflies and rainbows, but instead is very ominous, especially since my main character is an aboriginal. So now to answer my question. My book is way more serious than funny for reasons I'll get into. So number one, since the situation in my characters are are part of are so dire and there aren't any scenes which i can recall that involve humor even the stories that i to- told are very consequential this leaks on to my second reason there's something called a homecoming story which is basically the story of which group members share if they want to share that talks about their past and how they joined the clan and how life was before they joined the clan all the group members have a rough history Some were raped, loved ones were killed, everything was stolen away from them, and some were even part of a cannibal cult. Because of their rough pasts, most of them are shy, boring, uh, boring as in they don't do anything other than focus on survival, and keep to themselves. This means no one has a humorous or funny personality because of their battered childhood. A book can still be funny even in appalling circumstances, but there has to be an amusing character which makes everyone chuckle. However, in my book, there is no one like that due to the dreadful state of the world and their horrible past. So, I believe the novel I chose is more serious than funny for the reasons I stated above. So, Ruja and Abud, do you think there's any funny characters in your novel um, that make other people chuckle or like make the atmosphere funny and not as serious? I mean, everyone laughs in my book, but... They don't do it out of happiness. They just do it to try and make everyone else happy, but that never ends up working. I mean, there is one person who tried to be humorous. His name was Jimmy, spelled J-I-M-M-I. Don't ask me about the spelling. It's a novel. I don't know. Yeah, that's kind of weird. No, <laughs> oh, we, can't make, we can't discriminate, so... The guy, he tried to hide behind humor because he was a spy and he felt really guilty about giving away information, like battle plans and how much resources, because his father was held hostage at the enemy's ship. He didn't end up making everyone laugh because he was so good at humor. It was because he was so bad at it. So it's actually kind of like depressing how bad he is at it. So people just started laughing. Okay. Yeah, that's really sad. And that's the only humorous person I can think of. Okay. Um, better than nothing again. While we're on the topic of characters in our novels, if you could give the main character in your book some advice, what would you tell him or her, Rujan Abud? Okay, so I've, if I could give the main character some advice, I would obviously tell her to uh, uh, never give up because of the fact that she's a divergent. So there's got to be a way out of the society. Maybe she could uh, talk to the to Four, the Dauntless Instructor, because he's also a divergent. So that way, uh, she's not going to snitch, and he's not going to snitch, and they can uh, so re- save each other. So really, the only way for her to have a, live a peaceful life, mm-hmm. uh, not being stressed out that people are always trying to kill her, mm-hmm. is to escape the society. And the only way to do that is what you're saying is, uh, the, one of the ways that she could do that is to actually um, talk to the instructor, because he told me he's he's also a divergent, yeah. so he won't snitch as well. Okay, mm-hmm. how about you, Ruja? If I could give the main character in my book some advice, I would tell him to make sacrifices, remove those who do nothing or even harm the situation, add a strict punishment system, and create a twice-a-day roll call system. I want to tell him to make sacrifices so he can win the war, remove those who do nothing because 
I have a connection to real life uh, after what you're saying, what he should do. If he does these things, it sounds like he's making um, a boot camp where nothing goes under the radar if anything goes wrong. Well, and, I was going to say that too. But, but I guess it's kind of something you have to do in appalling circumstances because mm. um, really you have to survive. That's the main goal. It doesn't matter how humane you are. You have to make sacrifices because that's the only way. No risk, no, no, risk, no reward as the saying goes and it's a fact. Wait. So you're telling the main character uh, to uh, uh, risk or make sacrifices, right? But didn't you say that like it's uh, there's no need like when he saved that five year old? But that's not a sacrifice. That was he almost died. Right, that was a bad sacrifice. He that should know was... when to make correct sacrifices because that kid, what did that kid do? Nothing. She just ate. I know. Yeah, she just ate. I mean, I think the cir- uh, sacrifice he's trying to say is it. I mean, he's not saving people. Take the girl, throw her out and die, and then run. Yeah, no, I think the sacrifice that he's trying to say... I mean, it's really bad. <laughs> I, I, I think the sacrifices he's trying to say <clears throat> is that not to save people. They also risk people's lives because no risk, no reward. Yeah, no risk, no reward. And it has to make be common sense. Like You can't just save a five-year-old and expect her to do I something mean, that's good for you. Yeah, okay. I mean, this isn't the Hunger Games where you find a five-year-old girl and make her, what, somehow have the cure to everything. So, Akilish... Um, do you have any facts you'd like about your book and any opinions on them? All right, so I have a very interesting fact that I'll get into. So, uh, an interesting fact that the society in this book is that residential schools are beginning to pop up again. In this, in these schools, they kill Aboriginals for their bone marrow. For their bone marrow. This is an interesting fact because it shows that Native Americans were treated poorly in the past or uh, now are. Um, or were treated poorly in the past and are now also being treated inadequately. So my opinion on this fact. So regarding the first fact, I believe it shows how we as humans still haven't reached a point where people of all races and cultures have the same rights. As stated above, this type of action towards the indigenous people reminds me of residential schools since in the past, Native Americans were um, practically brainwashed to follow the Catholic religion and if they refused, they would be killed. Now, First Nations are being killed again. So what I mean is when I say that, that we haven't reached a point where people of all races and culture have the same rights, uh, like on paper, we technically do, but we still see racial discrimination all over the world. Um, and this can, like, if, let's say a race or a culture needed, um, that's more powerful than another race or culture, needed something from the culture or race below them, they would, they, uh, Everyone would obviously do that if they really needed that thing, um, that material from the other uh, race or culture. So it just shows that like uh, we're go- we would uh, like backstab our own people and uh, for if if we needed something. That's all I want. That's really all I wanted to I mean, say. I this doesn't just apply to race. This is for anything. I, I if a powerful I group takes stuff from a weaker group, applies to everything. Yeah, that, that's very true. Before, we were talking about important facts in our novel. Now, can everyone state an important event in their novel? And what would the storyline be like if this event never took place? Abu, do you want to go first? Sure. So an important event uh, from the book Divergent is when Beatrice became friends with the Ford, the Dauntless Instructor. This event is important because if uh, Beatrice didn't become friends with the Donald's instructor, she might have not escaped from the society because he's also a divergent and he wanted to escape too. 
So the main storyline, I think you're trying. So is the main so they story? So helped each other out. Yeah. So is the main. So is the main story basically um, the divergent? Uh, what's her name? Beatrice. Yeah. Beatrice mm-hmm. trying to escape um, the society. Yeah. So it's sure. very vital because if this never took place, she wouldn't have escaped and probably would have died. Would four have died too? Uh, no. Or no, he was good, right? Yeah, he was. Good. Because he, he was he, an instructor, he was he was, he was like. But, but they fell in love, and that's why. They were, oh. Yeah. They were. What, what was uh, uh, the instructor? What's his name? Dauntless instructor. Was he what lying love too? No one knew he was a diversion. No. No. Okay. So okay. Richard, you wanna go next? Sure. An important event in my novel is the spy getting identified. So the spy's name is Jimmy, spelled with an I, and I don't know why it's spelled with an I. <laughs> Not funny. Okay. He was a spy giving out information to the enemies because the enemies had his father hostage, just barely alive inside the ship. So eventually, everyone found out there was a spy and they all lost trust between each other. No one knew who the spy was or how many there are, so everyone kind of kept to themselves. Christopher and Elena trusted each other very much, so they knew they weren't spies because they both wanted to survive no matter. They didn't have any family either. But, but let's say there was a spy and the spy did get caught. Wouldn't the group suspect that there might be other spies in within as well? I mean, or, I can't control the novel and the characters aren't exactly bright. Yeah, but in common sense, yeah, no. anyone would think that. I mean, Christopher and Alina were the only ones who actually thought of the possibility that there was another spy. But they just said, well, we have to hope and we have to keep trust. And I adore that because without the trust, they probably would have killed each other. Because they would have another enemy. Yeah, an enemy at war of themselves is... Best Even kind of worse, yeah. And you said before the show how Jimmy, he kind of suicided, yeah. bombed. So he place. ended up saving everyone, actually. He suicide bombed the enemies after he found out that they killed his dad after receiving the information they needed. So he drove a mining, let's say, digger with a radioactive core into the interior of the ship, destroying it from the inside out. So all the enemies died, including Jimmy. I wouldn't call him an enemy, I'd call him a neutral. One, he got to the neck of this by giving information, but he kind of got back up to the neutral body, saving everyone. So he was a pretty decent character. I mean, without him, they would have never survived because he was the one who actually ended up killing everyone. All the enemies. Friendlies were safe. So at that Except t- for Christopher. He lost a few fingers. Oh, well. I don't know why Christopher tried to save him. I wouldn't save him. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it just makes... It ties into the two main part and yeah. unwilling to make sacrifices at the top, uh, at the first start of the mm-hmm. show. He'll save every life, no matter how useless... Or useful they are. What? No, every, he, he'll like save that my world. Yeah, he won't value one life over another, and I don't like that. I think every life has its own value. What you can do with it, how you'll benefit, how you will... Your pros and your cons, I think that's what makes you... Yeah, Valuable. like let's make a connection. Let's say we're in a state of crisis. You have to take people that gonna that will help you survive. You can't just take in everyone else. Because it's more mouths rations. to feed. It's more mouths to feed, basically. So should I go next? Sure. So, off the top of my head, head, a very important event in my novel was the abduction of Mitch near the beginning of the book. Mitch was Frenchie, who was the main character, brother, and was the last family member he had left as his mom was taken by the recruiters and his dad was missing at this point in the novel. So let me just tell you what happened in the event. Mitch and Frenchie were by themselves and they found this abandoned abandoned um, treehouse in the shallow in the shallow of the forest, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, they were making ruffling they were they, they were making sounds and like there was ruffling going on. Uh, and uh, the recruiters they um 
they had technology and they could uh, hear, I mean, they could like, hear them uh, making sounds. And But they didn't know uh, who was up there or how many people were up there because they, the two brothers weren't they talking. They only heard sounds. Yeah, they only heard sounds. They didn't know how movement. many. Yeah, movement. So, and they, they didn't know um, if there were more than one person, but they knew there was one person. And they knew At it was least. an, ab- uh, yeah. And they knew it was an Aboriginal because why else would someone be running in the middle of the forest uh, trying to get food uh, if, it, if they're not being hunted down, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> But like, let's. Well, it's a novel, so. Yeah. It's a novel. Yeah. So, um, what Mitch did was he broke the window. Don't ask why there's a window in the treehouse, but there is. He broke the window. A modern treehouse. I guess so. Um, he broke the treehouse uh, window, <laughs> and then um, Frenchie climbed up. But by the time the recruiters came up, they didn't see Frenchie, but they saw Mitch when he was trying to get up the window. So Mitch sacrificed himself to save Frenchie. Yeah. So let's backtrack. Now, Frenchie was on his own, and he was on his own for a couple of weeks and had a plenty of supply of food and water. In fact, he was famished. After being isolated in the woods for weeks with nothing more than a can of beans left, Frenchie was hopeless. That's when he ran into a group of Aboriginal people, which gladly accepted him into their clan. So, as I am completely through this book, Frenchie's still part of his of this clan where he went on many thrilling adventures, which is basically the whole story. Thrilling meaning scary, uh, exciting? Both. Exciting for you or for Frenchie? I mean, thrilling as in uh, very, like... Intriguing. Intriguing and, like, a lot of adrenaline pumping through your veins mm. when you read it. <laughs> oh, so it's intriguing for you, not for Frenchie? Uh, sometimes, yeah. Also, Yeah. It's not I mean, it's always for Frenchy. For Frenchy. It's not exciting. It's not exciting because sometimes, you know, he could die at any point in the novel. So. Also, if Mitch was never abducted, Frenchy would have never met his dad since Fren- the only way Frenchy met his dad was with the group of Aboriginals he was with. So, this only makes me beg the question what if Mitch was never abducted? Would he have met the Aboriginal clan where he went to many expeditions with? Probably not. Um, and to conclude, the kidnapping of Mitch was a very important event because Frenchie would have never joined the clan if his brother hadn't been captured. And the whole story would have changed. This brings us to the end of this episode of our podcast. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Peace.